Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. Today is Tuesday, October 12th, and John, it's halfway through the season, and last I checked, Michigan State, yep, looking at my watch right now, Michigan State yet to lose a game in the world of football. How does that make you feel? I think it's cool that your watch tells you Michigan State's record. Well, yeah, talk to Mel, he'll get you one. But also, <laughs> I thought I think it's awesome that from here on out, um, you know, six wins for a lot of people was kind of the goal. It's all gravy, baby, from here on out for some. And uh, for others, expectations have grown immensely and maybe rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we... Uh... We find ourselves on maybe slightly opposite sides of this, this, this uh, exact issue here. So I, I don't know. Do we want to save that? Do we want to talk about our favorite son first before we get into football? You know, the football team is making a good push to be the favorite son. Okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. Uh, well, there you do, go. Let's do hoops, you know, until – yeah, they're not they're not there yet. We, we don't want to let them get fat and sassy to exactly. steal a term from our good friend Tom. Uh, so the Big Ten media preseason poll came out uh, for basketball. Michigan State, not too much lower than the position that they are or not too much higher, I should say, than their current football uh, AP rank position. They came in at number six in the conference um, with 262 total points or votes or whatever. Um, kind of squarely in the top, you know, half here. The Maryland was ranked fifth at 269, uh, so MSU very close there. Indiana with 219 total votes was was kind of the next little chunk down. So MSU clearly seen as that, you know, top six squad. Um, the rest of the poll, Michigan and Purdue tied. Uh, Michigan technically the number one team with 373 points uh, and 13 first place votes. Purdue 373 points with. 12 first place votes. Uh, so Michigan edging them out by just one. Illinois with 320 and three first place vote, votes. And then Ohio State and Maryland bringing it up the four and five spot. If you go by those vote counters, you're kind of breaking things down. It kind of looks like the top four of Michigan, yeah. Purdue, Illinois, Ohio State. And then it's sort of Mich- Maryland, MSU in their own little tier. And then it's Indiana Rutgers. And then nobody else is getting any love at all after that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's looking like a pretty top heavy conference, but not as top heavy as we've seen in the past where there's just one or two teams. It seems like there's uh, a decent amount of high expectations from the big 10 per usual. Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone asks, is this the year the big 10 can, can get a natty? 
may, I don't know, maybe there's, there are a handful of definite contenders. And the reason is because of front court play, incredible uh, front courts in the big 10 this year. Um, you know, as you, we, we talk about uh, Illinois has the player of the year preseason vote and Kofi Coburn. Um, that's probably a no doubter for a lot of folks. Hunter Dickinson, uh, got three votes for player of the year. Trace Jackson Davis, three votes. Travion Williams, two votes. EJ Liddell, four votes. So um, I think a lot of people think guards win natties, though. So I'm not sure yep. if this is the year. But I will say that the first team uh, preseason of Kofi Coburn, EJ Liddell, Hunter Dickinson, Trace Jackson Davis, and Jaden Ivey of Purdue guard is – I think if Michigan State wants to look at that and be like, damn, <laughs> that is tough sledding for, for a lot of the games in the Big Ten schedule. If there's one strength on this team, it's front court depth. And and Michigan State is ready and weathered to take on the top here, tier of uh, the Big Ten because of that three-man center rotation. So, yeah, MSU is in that sixth spot, which is probably exactly right. Maybe, you know, you could make an argument maybe for fifth, but that feels exactly right to me. And but you got to feel OK when you look up and who is above them and say, why are they getting so much love? And then you say, OK, can MSU hang with that? And I think the answer might be definitively yes. So, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, I would say like in terms of just looking at roster construction, the worries with Michigan State are not in the front court. Uh, the Warriors are in the backcourt, same place they were last year. Um, and as you said, that's really where a lot of the strengths lie amongst the entire Big Ten, especially that upper echelon. I mean, I don't know which one of those backcourts is really the 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 best. I don't know that any of them are necessarily like knockdown, drag out, great backcourts. So when you consider that, you know, there's so much unknown in those top five if Tyson Walker is able to come in and be effective, if AJ Hogarth takes a step up, it's not difficult to see MSU going up this list of and finishing higher than sixth mm-hmm. um, because they should be able to hang in the, in the front court uh, for the most part every night. And I don't think that every team, especially the ones from seven down can really, can really say that. So I will say first team, extremely big 10 of them to have three centers on there. Uh, love that. And a, power and a power forward. It also, speaks to the quality that Travion Williams is not on the first team because that's, that's incredible because he is a, he's, there's no reason he couldn't be the player of the year. Honestly, it's probably would have gotten my vote. If I, when I get my vote, Uh uh, I will place it for him. He's, he's incredible. And Purdue uh, is every bit a team that could win the the big 10. So it's, it's going to be another really deep year. Um, I kind of think to your point, I don't know if this is, a, I, I need to learn more about the other teams around the country, but your, your assessment of great guards win tournaments is, is true as ever. Uh, I, I firmly am in that camp of belief. And, uh, that's what kind of makes me wary about this big 10 team. Once they, once they hit the the tournament, once again, you know, if it's all front court, you're going to do pretty well against a, a lot of teams, but you go up against that one hot guard who runs the show the way that, other people can't really contain and, and, and things can end quickly for a lot of these teams. But that being said, I think MSU is in the perfect spot. We'll dive more into these teams here in a few weeks. But, uh, yeah, probably, I'm not disappointed or surprised at this point. One other shout out is uh, freshman of the year 
the runaway was Caleb Houston of Michigan, but also receiving votes and second most votes was Max Christie with eight. And Max's contributions are going to be paramount to this team's success. Fortunately, that's a lot to ask of a freshman, but, um, you know, at the same time, certainly capable of it, you hope. So, yeah, I mean, he, he is he is going to be I would argue he's, he's more important to his team than uh, Houston will be to Michigan. I think Michigan's got with with Dickinson and his experience, you know, um, he's he's had the team run through him in the past. I, I think they'll be OK whether Houston is just, uh, you know, what if he's not this dynamite um you know, freshman, which, which by, for, I'm not, I don't mean this as like a disparaging thing because he, for, you know, by all uh, stretches looks like a one and done type, really, really good player, <laughs> but I don't think he needs to be for Michigan to be uh, like a really good team. However, he does need to be for them to be an elite team, which is where they're getting ranked. Right. I think that Max Christie needs to be good for MSU to overachieve. I don't know that Houston is, is, is going to be as widely, um, his contributions aren't as, uh, desperately needed. I, you're probably, you're probably right. Because if, if things some go somehow go sideways, they still have Brandon Johns jr. Who is capable of big 10 player, you know, like they're, they're okay. Whereas you look at MSU's roster and Max Christie is the starting number two without a doubt. And if he's, not up to par. There's not a lot of places to look. So, (laughs) so anyway, like we said, we'll have a huge uh, preseason podcast on this before the season starts as we always do. But um, yeah, we can't forget about our favorites on, you know, no, of course not. But I I said, the, the the gap is closing. It's closing. There's no question. There's no question about that. Every single week it gets a little closer last week. MSU kind of taking care of business and finding new spectacular ways to, Make this Cinderella story, if you want to call it that, an even better one. Uh, going on the road, winning a, a game that kind of at the beginning had some weird feels to it. They ended up uh, beating Rutgers 31-13, to uh, and that was after going down 7-0 in this game. So a uh, nice little run there uh, to, to, to close it out. Um, some incredible performances in this mm-hmm. one. Like The numbers pop off the, off the page at you, especially, obviously, offensively. Peyton Thorne. Going 340 yards, three touchdowns, uh, one interception. Kenneth Walker the third doing what he does, 232 yards on the ground and a touchdown, including a 94-yard touchdown run. And Jalen Naylor, five catches, 221 and three touchdowns. Very close to a Randy Moss performance, uh, just too, too many catches. Um, <laughs> just re- remarkable stuff all around. Defense came to play two, four sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss. Um, but really, the, the the story of this one was was uh, th- there were some good and then there was some bad let's let's start with the good john it seems like uh msu's skill positions which we talked about before the year even started it it's as good as it gets right now so i'm gonna say something that is gonna come off as extremely homerish and it is but at the same time i would challenge someone to go find me a better uh Four skill players than Peyton Thorne at quarterback, Kenneth Walker at running back, Jaden Reed, and Jalen Naylor at wide receiver in the country. 
And I bet you could say Ohio State gets to raise their hand and say, yeah, that's where I was going to start. <laughs> so they but I, but but I mean, like, OK, there's one team that gets to raise their hand. Who else gets to raise their hand? Uh, I think Bama would probably have something okay. to say about it. Um, so, now, so listen to the teams we just said. Oh, no. Your point's well taken. It, it, and, and, and I think I want to contrast what I just said with the past three years of Michigan State's offense. Oh, what's going on here? Can and, you hear that? <laughs> I Sorry, I had ESPN up and running. <laughs> My fault. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say was, have, considering we were looking for below average, literally below average offense, upgrading from miserable offense to below average. And now six games into the season, we're talking about an offense who can put their hand up and say, we have players that are performing at the level of Alabama and Ohio State's offense. And 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 no one in the country could say that's not necessarily true because it is. It's, it's Kenneth Walker's leading the country in rushing yards. I, I, I mean, Jalen Reed and Jay, excuse me, Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor are taking each, they're taking turns on having incredible season. Like if, if Jalen Naylor had a season the way he had this last game, some wide receivers in the country would be happy with that. <laughs> I'm serious. Three touchdowns. I believe that. I, I totally agree with you. 292 yards. Like you're, you're like not, not an elite wide receiver, but that's an, that's an, that's okay. It's a contribution. I, it is it is just incredible, and I think for me the hardest thing is just remembering how bad it was. And I think the only reason I'm hammering on how bad it was, because I know everyone wants to forget that, get that bad taste out of your mouth, is because it's happened so fast. We skipped a year of the rebuild. We skipped it all together. We went from year zero to year two, overnight. And I I I don't know how to handle it. It's wild. It is wild. I, I think it's again we we've just been handing out accolades and and, and props to to coaches all, all all year. But I think one guy who we've kind of not talked a lot about because frankly his performance last year, uh, the performance of his unit last year was so lackluster. Um, is Jay Johnson? I mean, it's it's not like these guys are you know, just out there drawing stuff up in the dirt and making it happen. They are playing a, a scheme, a, a scheme that's looked just remarkably effective. Um, what Jay Johnson's done by providing, the one thing that I love about his offense is that it gives you five or six different looks off of the same plays and motions. Uh, so he's got all of these different things built into the same um you know, you'll you'll see Jaden Reed go in motion all the time, Jalen Naylor go in motion all the time. But on those plays, it could be anybody uh, that's actually the one making the the play. Did whether it's a, a run up the middle to Walker or something to the outside, one of the passes to any of the wide receivers, um, it's pretty impressive. So Jay Johnson deserves a ton of credit for putting this offense together. Um, it and it, it is incredible. I think it, it also goes to show that the nutrition and development program is and the offseason work of Jason Novak is is incredible. These guys look different out there. They're able to have that breakaway speed. They're playing like this deep into the fourth quarter. Um, all in all, it's 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 pretty, pretty insane. I don't think we talk even though Kenneth Walker is so good. I don't think we talk enough about 
just how good he is. We don't. Because <laughs> it's insane. It, we, I mean, he had a 94-yard house call that was a team touchdown, by the way. I mean, the offensive line blocking in there was incredible. Connor Hayward started it all, and we'll get zero credit, but I'm going to call him out. He hits the backside block. that springs the hole, and you had guys on the offensive line hit the second level. And then even better, you had Jaden Reed, who didn't have uh, statistically the type of game you expect from him, blocking about 25 or 30 yards downfield. And Kenneth Walker breaking tackles 30 30 yards downfield and then setting a MSU record for longest touchdown from play a scrimmage with 94 yards. Also another school record, um, most handshake high fives in a play uh, where Jalen Naylor and Kenneth Walker did that task at around the 10 yard line. And if that's not a Heisman moment, um, I'm not sure what is. And also I want to go on record. If you high five, shake hands with a teammate during a play and score, you should get double the points. I think a, I completely agree with you. Double, at least double the points. And B, I think that's an automatic invite to New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're if you're able to pull that off. Uh, one thing you made you made a point about Jaden Reed and the fact that he's out there blocking and making these plays downfield, despite leading the nation in all-purpose yardage coming into that game. By the way, yep. um, I think it speaks to to just how bought in everybody is. No block, no rock. I've heard them say that before. I love that. Um, and I think it also speaks like he, the fact Naylor has been able to go off these last two weeks, you know, obviously credit to him. He's a very talented player, but I think it shows what a decoy Jaden Reed can be. I mean, oh, yeah. he is, he is an elite level, but when you have one guy that you have to prepare for like that, yeah. um, that's, that's something that's on. And then you also have Kenneth Walker on top of that. And you have, uh, you know, it's going to give Speedy the chance to, to make some things happen, uh, mm-hmm. on his own. And I think you saw him cash in on it several different times and in, in all on kind of different routes too. So it was, I, again, when you have things that you can play off of and Jay Johnson's and, and a quarterback back there, Peyton Thorne, who isn't making dumb mistakes. He's just, he's, he's been so that's, that's another thing. It's like, we, we talked about at the beginning of the year, you know, if he's won the job, it would mean he won the job. Like he was the better choice. And I think it's obvious that he was, if he's been playing like this all of spring and summer, like no wonder he won the job. It, he's, sure. he's been pretty, pretty remarkable. So there was one other good thing, and we'll split to what has to get better. Things were still in doubt a little bit. And uh, the when MSU turned the ball over, fumbling twice on the same play, which was tough. But it happens, I suppose. You don't like to see a quarterback fumble and then your offensive line pick it up and then fumble. But then, yeah, I kind of feel like Luke Campbell, by the way. Just uh, I'm sorry, you're a sixth-year offensive lineman. Just fall on the ball, man. Just fall on the ball. That's it. Well, I, I was screaming at my television when that happened. That was tough, and you'd like to think that that doesn't happen again, you hope. And and so then MSU's defense put in a really tough spot on their own 23 and held, holds Rutgers to a field goal, which felt big. And I want to I don't want to say that's the thing that won the game. What won the game was Michigan State's explosive plays. But when you when you know you this defense has a lot of had a lot of question marks about them, and I'm not sure if we got them all answered. But I think there are specific play, you know, pieces that you can look at like that one and you can say, OK, it's not all there, but it's all it's not terrible. Like they, this offense won't have to win every game for you moving forward. 
you know, th maybe there's more there than than meets the eye. So I thought that was interesting. But um, you yeah, know, you made you, you made a good point about the defense before we jumped on, and it's that. Uh, what was it? They they're like 124th in the nation in pass defense, passing yardage or something like that. But they lead the conference in sacks or something crazy like that. I, I think it speaks to what the just how good that defensive front is. I think what that what that tells me is that you know, kind of reading between the lines and just based on what we've watched, like they are the only way to get yardage on this this defense is to do it quickly. And, and that is to get the ball out one, two, three steps because MSU's defense is kind of designed with giving up that that bend but don't breakness uh, and having that sort of built into the, the way that they work. Like they'll give you the quick stuff to the outside, knowing that once you get down inside of the red zone, like Rutgers did a few times, um, you're not going to be able to do those those things anymore. Those windows won't be there, and and they're banking on talent. Uh, and scheme to, to take those things away. I mean, they have two safeties that can cover a ton of ground. They're two leading tacklers, Henderson and Crouch, or excuse me, Henderson and uh, Gross, um, that are more than equipped to make those plays in the red zone. Uh, and I, I think that defensive front is the real deal. Uh, I, one thing I will say is they definitely missed Cal Halliday in the first half, though. Uh, oh. And that linebacking depth, um, you, you could tell not everybody's kind of running around with their hair on fire. Uh, and there was credit to Mark D'Antonio for identifying a guy like Cal Halliday who would be and for to to Tucker and his staff for uh, seeing that this is kind of your your quarterback. And, yeah, maybe not the most athletic dude in the world, but he's going to get people in the right place and make the right plays. And that's that's as valuable as as anything. Um, but once he was back in the game, you really saw things start to start to calm down there a little bit. And, yeah, I agree with you. The defense cornerbacks are still worrisome. Far, far from a finished product, but the, that defensive front is really, really, really good. I mean, they have five defensive tackles that are legitimately plus players. Mm -hmm. um, and they finally, and, and that includes Deshaun Mallory, who has barely played this year uh, and came back and made some serious flash plays uh, this week. So Michigan State's not only leading the conference in sacks, but is tied for fifth in the nation with 22. Tied with Georgia. That's crazy. Georgia defense. The same Georgia defense that's allowing 5.5 points a game. So heard of them. So you know, it's just this defense is so confusing. We'll talk about them a little bit more because we think that there's going to be a come to Jesus moment very soon, or we'll actually know what's going on. But you know, to to wrap, you beat a bad, not bad team. They're bad, but not awful. You beat a bad team, and it you made it harder than maybe it needed to be. At the beginning, the the critical clock management errors, that was yes. rough to watch. The delay of game penalties can happen. It's you're playing at Rutgers, not at the horseshoe, okay? And then you have you know defense needing to call call timeouts in the first half. That's to your point about Cal Halliday not being out there. It, it got a little messy. And then the missed field goal that was blocked at the end of the half kind of make you shake your head, and you're like. Okay, you can beat teams like Rutgers doing this, but it's game six. That's still, like I get that it's year two of this team, but and they're still growing. And yes, they skipped a whole year of the rebuild. You play teams better than Rutgers on the schedule. That stuff's just not going to work. Like you're not going to win games. There, there's just the margin for error gets smaller and smaller against 
teams better than Rutgers. And you got to clean it up. The fake, the fake uh, field goal. Like, wh- what are we doing? You know, and and I, I don't know. Yeah. You just got to. You don't have to do dumb. Like it's. It's just the good news is very easily correctable. You hope. Yeah, I mean that's the first half was very same old Spartans. Like it had some some upsettingly John L vibes uh, to it. Like no question, I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with that one bit. Um, I think that's on everybody. To be honest, Mel's got to be ready to call that timeout at the end of the half, even though they got that second back. Uh, Thorne's got to be smarter than that to go up to the line and change protection. Like he's just got to get that ball off, make a play, even if it's thrown it away. And if you're going to throw it away, don't throw it to the farthest part of the field. Like that's, there was a lot of, uh, sloppiness. Yeah. I agree to the early part of that game, but you know, there, there is something to the fact that it's kind of nice that they didn't play a perfect game. Don't use your perfect games now, <laughs> uh, have things to clean up. Because, yeah, you went and won this game by 18 on the road. It's great. You're 6-0. You're bowl eligible. You're accomplishing a lot of your goals, keeping things in front of you. But, you know, at the same point in time, you, you need to have things where coaches can get on these players about. And there's plenty to come away with this. There's, there's headlines, but there's also things they need to be able to, to clean up if they want to win games that it feels like they might be able to win. Yeah, it's great. You know, spin zone, it's great news. You won by 18 on the road. And a game you should have won. And there's so many correctable things. Like, yes. and that's, that's great. And here's where it gets really wild. MSU is legitimately, not just two homers on a podcast, legitimately in the national playoff conversation halfway through the season. I can't, like, wrap my head around that. It, it, you're, you're, you, what you are watching is a glow up at the speed of light. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's pretty remarkable. Like I, I, you know, again, I think I was the optimist in the room when it came to this, this season. And I was sitting saying, you know, Hey, I think this team can win seven games. Well, guess what? It's about to be week seven and they might accomplish that feat. Um, and they are, I mean, I've seen people pick them deliberately pick them over the likes of Ohio state, Penn state, and Michigan. Uh, when it comes to who is going to make the college football playoff. And uh, it's, I think it's insane, but it's also like, if you just look at the sheer kind of, if you just follow the numbers, it's not this outrageous sentiment. Like I, I, I think there's a long ways to go. And the beauty of it is MSU gets to prove it one way or the other, right? Cause they get to play, you know, all of those teams from Big Ten, with the exception of Iowa, that are in this same discussion. It. This is the to remind. But it's everyone, just insane. Yeah, to remind to remind everyone, the Vegas over under was four and a half. Already cashed. I told you all to hammer that. I I know, but it's just like <laughs> four and a half wins, playoff conversation. The gap between those two things is <laughs> pretty is, significant. And, like and so I, I'm just overwhelmed with how fast this team has improved. It's it's quite crazy. Um, quick quick notes as we, before we move down move on. You saw Matt Coughlin uh, struggle a little bit, and but he did move is to the all-time leader uh, with 72 field goals made. So congratulations to him, and is now fifth all-time with extra points. Um, you want to see him get into a groove though. 
because yeah. it's going to get pretty hairy and you're going to need those. So big time butt cheeks during those times, folks. Yeah, that's the, I would say, honestly, if there's one worry I have about this, this team, aside from just, hey, you're gonna have to play some really good teams, it's that they've done such a good job of winning like the little intangible parts of the game, except for that. <laughs> he has not been very good this year. Uh, and it's not like he's missing these long field goals. These are these are 35 yarders that he's that he's yeah. chunking. Uh, so I'm glad he's he's accomplishing all these records. It's great. But I would personally rather have the made field goals. Hey, big opportunities coming up. Big time. So, so Austin, 6-0, and bowling, incredible. Halfway to go, some would argue 40% of the way there. 15 games, mm-hmm. crazy. What? And not me, but people are talking. Some, some. People are saying. So do you think we should take a commercial break and then hit the national and Big Ten results? I think that's what we should do, John. I think that's exactly what we should do. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Then we're back. John, yep. I have a question for you. Hit me. Do you want Bama? No. No. <laughs> oh, no. I just oh. want to remind people. Listen, they turned they did lose. It's true. They uh-huh. lost. Uh, but let's not get too big for our britches here. You, uh, the fact remains that you you still never want no, Bama. Never. Everyone needs credit to, to Texas A&M. Te- credit to Texas A&M though, because they apparently. Uh, what happened? Your boy, QB two, Calzada, he won the game. Uh, he, unbelievable. And I think he I think he did it like like while breaking his ankle on a hit too. Like I, I thought he was toast. The the last touchdown pass he threw. I was like, oh, he just he just shattered his femur, and yet he completed just a, a beauty of a touchdown pass uh, down the field. And they were down too. Like uh-huh. credit to A and M for still fighting, man. They had every every reason to uh, to give up on that one. I mean, it's Bama. Like you had every reason to be like, well, this is this is they've scored, they've taken the lead. It's the fourth quarter. This is done. I'm gonna go study. Uh, but instead, they. They just kept fighting, and they managed to win in a walk-off field goal. I mean, A&M, which it blew my mind. I didn't realize that Jimbo – like, I know there's the old storyline of, like, hey, Nick Saban, you never – he, you know, his old coaches never beat him, that type of thing. I didn't realize they literally had they never literally, beat him before. Never. Never. 0-25? Is that, is that what it was? Yeah, something like that. And they just had to put Mark D'Antonio in that graphic. Uh yeah, we didn't have to do that. But. but credit credit to Jimbo. Also, Jimbo, like, how how long does the protege label uh, stick? Because I feel like he was his coordinator like twelve years ago. Like, he coached at Florida State, won a national championship there, <laughs> and is now somewhere else. <laughs> like, how long does is he just like ah, he's just a uh, young so pop? 
I will say Saban's always your daddy. Like you'd have to beat him convincingly a handful of times before you can drop it. And more. Yeah, I agree. Okay, that's fair. But I'm just wondering how long like the the term like the intern term applies, you know? Yeah, I will tell you, Jimbo, uh, he's got a life contract, man. Like he's there. Yeah, it's pretty good. If you want it. Uh, I can't. I truly cannot believe that A&M won. I'm, I'm truly in shock. I am not that Bama was. It's Bama and Texas A&M. This quarterback put up seven points. I think ten points against Colorado coming in. You looked, know, looked completely lost and utterly inept against Colorado. Like inept, and they've they've lost since then too. Twice they were three and two coming into this game. I mean, they had no real ability. They, 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 there was no reason to expect them to compete in this game, let alone I know. win. I know. Um, Incredible. Pretty wild. And man, what that does for the college football playoff. Like, listen, it's still Bama. They're still, you know, right. in the driver's seat. Maybe not the driver's seat, but they're still absolutely have a chance to win this, the whole thing. And I think we're still all sort of like expecting it. But the, now they have to do it. You know what I mean? Like now uh-huh. they now they have to win out. Oh yeah. They, they can't they can't just uh, they can't lose any more games. And I'll be honest, Georgia Georgia looks pretty darn good. Like Georgia uh-huh. looks every bit of what you sort of expected uh, Bama to look like. I'll be honest. We're down to one good team, Austin. I know. I yeah. I guess if we're just gonna not be hypocrites, I have to take the title away from. From Bama. They are no longer and, a good team. Look, I'm sorry. You can't lose to Kelzada. You can't. I, I agree. You're not good if you do that. Can they become good again? Absolutely. But we got to take the title. You're not good. I, I, there's only one good team. And I know we'll save the, the 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 Big Ten team that's ranked number two in the country currently. Iowa for, for when we make it to the Big Ten. But um yeah, there's clearly only one good team right now, and it's Georgia. But, man, do they look good. So this game, I don't know if it mattered, but it was a lot of fun. Arkansas headed to Ole Miss. Ole Miss wins 52-51 to 51 on a failed two-point conversion from the Razorbacks with no time left. It was a wild one. Almost 1,300 total yards in this game. Five players had either 100-plus rushing yards or receiving yards. It was out of control and is exactly what you'd expect from a Big 12 game, not an SEC we play defense game. I heard somebody describe it as like football in 2032. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right to me, to be honest with you. Um, I love the decision by Sam Pittman to uh, go for it on fourth down or on the two-point conversion at the end of the game. It, sure. it had nothing to do with the fact that I had Arkansas plus five and a half in this one. Um, <laughs> but I did, I just loved the, the decision-making. Uh, and seriously, like, like why not? Right. Like just go for it. I thought I, I loved the, the balls of it all. And like credit to both of these teams, like they both have had tough humbling losses to, to the, the Bamas and Georgias of the world lately. So good for them both for uh, bouncing back and, I think you've got two pretty darn good teams here. Whether they how they finish is remains to be seen, but looking pretty good. Yeah, Wayne Kiffin turned that thing around pretty quickly, huh? Um, so Oklahoma, Texas, Red River shootout. Oh, Texas gets up by 18. 
And I was like, you know, Austin last week was telling me maybe Texas is a little less fraudulent than Oklahoma. And I was like, you know what? I guess he was right. And I changed the channel. I came back. Spencer Rattler, preseason Heisman favorite, Vegas's favorite, benched. Benched, down 18. The backup, Caleb Williams, comes in, wins the game. Oklahoma 55, Texas 48, in one of the most Texas Texas games you could have ever seen. An awesome play to end the game, too. The walk-off, like, triple option, like, crazy handoff look. Just just a – like, that's one where it's not trouble with the snap, but it's – in that rivalry, that loss is going to get remembered uh, prominently. For it's going to get brought up a lot. To put it that way. But yeah, man, Rattler, um, maybe letting the uh, the Netflix hype get a little too into our brains because he has been bad this year. And uh, Caleb Williams is pretty darn good. Um, I just it's yeah. it, it remains unfair that uh, yeah, Oklahoma just just gets five. Listen, even if even if Rattler isn't this great player fact of the matter is they just keep churning out five-star quarterbacks and it just doesn't seem like they should be allowed to do that (laughs) i mean i don't know this this rivalry you could argue this is the best rivalry in college football i mean it's certainly one of the more it's certainly right now one of the most fun if not the most fun even though it ends with oklahoma winning every single year and breaking texas's heart uh, it's still really fun because the scores have been outrageous. Like the last few years, it's been like in the it's been in the 50s to something in the 40s, like every single time. I can't believe if you haven't watched the video, Oklahoma runs a has a running play with 10 seconds left on their own 35 or on uh, Texas 35. Now they're trying to get in field goal range, obviously, but like our and it works to perfection. And he scores. Like, I can't Im- imagine losing a walk-off like that in a rivalry. Oh, my God. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be my team. Nope, um absolutely not. W- Wake Forest, number 19, quietly also undefeated. Imagine if they had uh, All-American running back defeating hmm. Syracuse 40-37. to 37. What if I told you that Wake Forest could legitimately be a playoff team? I'd have to kill you. I'm just saying, uh, one. So you you continue the rest of the sentence at your own peril. Okay, let's just start. <laughs> let's start with what if Kenneth Walker was on their team? Yeah, whoa. They might. Yeah, actually- they've got to be a little upset about that. I mean, if there are in fact Wake Forest fans that care, which again, you show me one, and then I'll believe that it exists. Sure. Um, they've got to be pretty upset. Yeah, I mean, they're six and zero. Okay. I mean, they, they they lost to Michigan State in a bowl game, yep. which Kenneth Walker played in. Correct. Then MSU comes and steals him away two years later, just in time for him to be really, really ridiculously good. I mean, I don't know. They play at Clemson, but who knows, man? I'm just saying the ACC is so bad that it's hit, really bad. It hits their best team, maybe? Question mark. And they lost uh, to dude, Michigan. Uh, I, I've, I'll i say this. I know you're asking about the playoff and all this stuff. I, 
I think there's a very, very real world, maybe even the likely world at this point, that it's two Big Ten teams and two SEC yeah. teams. Absolutely. Like I, I don't, I don't think, uh, and I think the ramifications that are of that are really interesting because what if you know the Big Ten, you know, they've talked about doing this expansion of the playoff and all this stuff. But what if the Big Ten's like, you know, we got two yeah. teams in the playoff. This yeah. isn't so bad, and it's, they just stop supporting it. You're right. You are so right. It could get out. It could get bad for the expansion, but. Not my problem uh, if my team's in it. Georgia heads to Auburn and looks all the bit of the best team in the country, beating them 34 to 10. I'm surprised Auburn scored 10 points. And Auburn really picked Bo Nix over Malik Willis at Liberty. Buddy. That's, that's, that's one that would keep me up at night if I was uh, an Auburn fan. Because Malik Willis is probably the guy, and again, as as someone who supports, unfortunately, a professional football team that badly needs a quarterback, uh, Malik Willis is the one I want. Uh, If I'm if I'm drafting any of the quarterbacks this year, none of which I'm terribly impressed by, um, Malik Willis is 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 the home run, like the grand slam type of uh, option of these quarterbacks, and like he's just such a perfect Auburn quarterback too. It doesn't make any sense. Like his skill set couldn't be better for what they need. I'm just, it just has to suck, especially not just to not keep him. Like if the quarterback you kept was good, maybe mm-hmm. it'd be different, but Bonix mm-hmm. is bad. Bonix has always been bad. I think we all got drunk when he beat Oregon <laughs> yeah. and, and we haven't allowed ourselves to come down from that high. It's like you had a beer in a foreign country one time. And when it was fresh, you were like, my God, this is the greatest beer I've ever had in my life. And then you buy it at the store and you're like, well, this is really awful. Maybe it's because maybe it was so good because I just I was in a foreign country and I was having so much fun and I was X, Y and Z. And now instead you realize you're just drinking rainwater. It's um, vibes of Adrian Martinez over Joe Burrow. Oh, gosh. Not quite that bad, but pretty bad. That's pretty bad, though. Um, and then to wrap it up, Boise State uh, went to BYU and ended BYU's playoff. Um, Good. Chances. 26-17, to 17, the Broncos uh, take down the Cougars. And as you mentioned, with the, the two um, Big Ten, potentially two SEC teams, realistically, there are only a handful, like, I would say 16 teams that are in contention for the playoff now. And, um, and that's being generous to coastal Carolina. In my I was, was going to say, like, I don't, I don't know where the, I don't know where the bottom eight are coming from. Well, they're all one loss teams that um, could win their conference. Unlikely, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that in a little bit in a, in a game I'm going to call contender or pretender and put you on the spot for it. Oh, fun. Uh, yeah, got surprises for you. Big we Ten plan stuff. Yeah, Big Ten results. Um, Maryland went to Ohio State, and shame on you, listener. Shame on me. Shame on everybody. Maryland is Maryland. It is Ohio State is Ohio State. Sixty-six to seventeen. I, I mean, come on, everybody. We we're better than this. To even question that we knew this was going to be bad, but holistic. Yeah. Bigger, high, a higher, thirty thousand feet point of view. This is Ohio State's conference, man. We just play in it until further notice. It is, it is. I agree, I agree. 
I feel sad that I agree, but I do agree. Um, yeah. There's really no way around it. Like, it's still a great team. I think the larger point isn't necessarily about uh, – my takeaway from this was not Ohio State. My takeaway from this is that way. if you believe in Maryland, I just feel for you. Like, uh-huh. I, 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 I actually am reaching the end of my pity rope, though. Like, I, I can only – I can only – like, you watch somebody – do the wrong thing for so long and not expect like the definition of insanity is like <laughs> doing the same thing without and expecting a change in the result. I mean, dude, it's Maryland. It's Maryland. I mean, I mean, I have to, we have to give them credit too, man. The ability to perform the early season whoop is at Maryland followed by uh, just like a hysterically large loss amount, like hysterically large margin losses is uh, pretty funny. And really just just got to be hard to do. It is. It's very difficult and it's impressive and they should be commended for doing it. And but again, they do it every year. And what are we doing? We're like, oh, they had a nice little win there. Maybe this is different. They got a tongue of Iloa. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing? Like, we have to stop this nonsense. And if Ohio State loses a game, which happens rarely, are we going to really say their season's lost? No. They still they still have the best quarterback who's a freshman, by the way. The best quarterback in the conference. He averages three hundred and forty yards a game, eighteen touchdowns to three picks, ten point eight yards per attempt attempt. I mean, oh my he's and, and he's throwing over two out of three uh passes are complete. Like this dude Jeez. I, I mean, for everything that Peyton Thorne is doing under the radar, this kid I would say is equally as impressive to me or more so than Peyton Thorne, which is hard. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, I don't disagree with you at all. And I also think it's more impressive to be okay. honest with you. Yeah. Or, and it's more, I don't know about more impressive because he is surrounded by ridiculous talent. Right. I think it's more under the radar. Mm-hmm. I think people just stopped talking about them. Like they just mm-hmm. sort of forgot like, and now we're going to get to the point where they're going to play Penn state in two weeks or whatever, three weeks. You know, I don't know who they have before that, but like as soon as they get out there and perform against one of these good Big Ten teams, people are like, oh, that's right. Yeah, that's I mean, right. This is a phenomenal program. They have a bye, and then they're going to go play at Indiana, and which is a way, well. a way different game than we thought it would be at the beginning of the year, right? And um, then, yeah, Penn State at Nebraska, Purdue, Michigan State at Michigan. I think you're going to start the, – the engine's revving up. You saw Rutgers. You saw the um, what they did at Mar- to, against Maryland. They get a bye. You'll see what they're going to do against Indiana. Yeah, Penn State at home. I mean, if, the, if that goes south for Penn State really badly, the rest of the conference, what's the point? <laughs> That's well, right. We can, we can talk about Penn State. Uh, Let's do that. Yeah, I, I got to say, so Penn State, just to recap the result, goes on the road, um, loses to Iowa in a three in the 3-4 matchup. Penn State is screwed if Sean Clifford isn't uh, healthy. I got to I got to give I got to give Sean Clifford more credit. I have never really taken him seriously as like a good quarterback. Right. But he at least gives them a chance. Their backup looked just so unprepared for that moment just like was not able to to live it it was it was hard to watch and again 
credit to Iowa. Like Iowa would show themselves to be a team that's mentally tough to, they, they hung in there despite really looking very bad in the first half yep. uh, for the most part, created the turnovers that they've been creating all season and ultimately winning a game and being ranked number two in the country. Now, you know, I I'll, I'll say two things. Penn state's defense is for real. It's a yep. really talented defense. Yep. That defense is good enough to hang with any offense in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think Ohio State included. Um, certainly Michigan included. Certainly, I think Michigan State included. They're they're good enough to cause problems for anybody, especially that front seven. It's full of big time athletes. Um, but they are they are so screwed if Sean Clifford's not back. They don't they don't matter. So like if, if they if so you, to your to your so what you were saying about if Ohio State beats Penn State if they beat them without Sean Clifford that proves nothing to me yeah um, but if Sean Clifford's back and they win that game and he's a hundred percent then yeah that's a that's a major uh, stake in the ground Iowa at number two fans uh, all I'll say frisky frisky Iowa is um, beyond back but the other shoe is going to drop and I've said this a couple times this year I think already. When it does, it is going to be hysterical. This team, all they've done is create turnovers. I think they're now like plus 18 or 20 in turnover margin this year. That is, you talk about the term unsustainable. That is maybe the least sustainable uh, like thing you can do in football. It's just, just mm-hmm. always win their turnover margin. Like Again, they've got ball hawks. They obviously have good players on that side of the ball but like you're you're simply not going to do that every game especially as your uh caliber of competition increases and they've got i the only thing that's good news for them is that they don't really play good teams on that side of the conference this year so um well just enjoy number two i i think they are potentially the fifth best team in the conference and they're number two in the country right now so just enjoy it if you're an iowa fan those was here's the problem for iowa their offense is very mid, and is their Super defense? Mid. Their defense is. I will categorize them as good. They are. They are sure. good. There are very few units that are good in the country. They are good, and I don't say that lightly. The amount of disrespect Iowa had by they could have run the ball trying to get a first down and ending the game. Okay, I was shocked. Oh my god! Yeah, they took knees. They took knees to give the ball back, which in my head is insane because we've seen we've seen trouble with the snap. Why yep. why even do that? Right? Is is it what they had so little they little respect for Taquan Roberson, who is uh, by the way high school teammates with Jahan Dotson. Hmm. They had so little respect for him that they punted and gave him the ball back with plenty of time, 39 seconds, not plenty of time, but not like three seconds, not none, not none. And obviously he did nothing, but I've never seen anything like, I've never seen anyone victory formation to give the ball back. Have you? Yeah. uh, No, I think the, the Iowa, that was like peak punt though. Oh God. We literally think the only way we can win this game is by punting the ball. And I, I, that, that was heartwarming for me personally, but, um, yeah, I, I couldn't believe it when I was watching it and I'm like, dude, Kirk Ferentz, it's, it's not like you're new to this. You've been here since time began. Like (laughs) 
and you're telling me that you think this is the best way to handle it. I, it was, it was a stunning um, uh, display of disrespect um, and just stupid. Like you're, you're Iowa. The only thing you do more that, that is more natural to you than punting is running the ball. Like well, with your borderline all American running back, Tyler Goodson, like run the well, ball, just, just run the ball. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, and- you, if, if you respect him so little, then you don't mind giving him the ball on whatever it would have been exactly. like the 30 yard line. Like yeah. who cares? So odd. And like, why even, I know their quarterback's terrible. Their backup. I get it. But Jahan Dotson still returns punts. Like why yeah. even let him get on the field? I don't know. It was weird. Whatever. It's hard to question a six and O team. Um, that was odd. And, and I think the watch out for Iowa, like you mentioned is 45 rushes for 110 yards. A hundred, and then from Pe- Iowa's quarterback did the. You could just put Iowa quarterback, not Spencer Petras. Iowa quarterback goes for 195 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Like, of course, right? Yeah. So, so it's just nothing to write home about. Just like in 2015. Well, uh, Iowa is a is a very. They are benefiting from the early season polls. And I'm not, and again, this is not to throw stones here. MSU certainly is is doing that as well with the you know the win over Miami probably holding more water than it than it should on paper at this point in time. But uh, I mean, listen, who are their big wins over? Their biggest wins. Penn State's a great win. Don't get me wrong, but it's Penn State with with knocking their starting quarterback out. Uh, it's Wisconsin who looks awful, um, and it's and it's Iowa State who is not good either. So I think uh, we're you know. I expect Iowa to drop a a one of these dumb games like a Minnesota or a Purdue or just something that where they they play an offense that's that doesn't make really stupid mistakes and hits the explosive plays rather than the turnovers. It's inevitable. I'm going to quick correct you. They didn't beat um, they only beat Iowa State and Indiana, not Wisconsin. Oh, oh, see. Yeah. I mean, oh, and they smoked them, yeah, early in the season. Yeah, 34 to 6. Hey, they're every prob- team is red. I shouldn't be penalized for forgetting that. <laughs> they're probably going to run off a bunch of games. But as I mentioned, we're highly critical of anyone that is nearing hashtag good territory. It's just what comes Fact. with it. just comes with it. Um, another unit I'm close to calling hashtag good is Wisconsin's defense. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. Not, not quite there, but t- they beat Illinois 24 to 0. This was a this was a Paul Chris save your job game in my opinion. Like, if he loses this game, I don't know, man. Now, to be fair, he did the exact thing you need to do and held Illinois to 93 total yards. Oof. It was bad, very bad. And then Wisconsin ran for a very Wisconsin like 391 yards of rushing. <laughs> but it's Graham Mertz, 10 of 19, 100 yards and a pick. Uh I'm a, I, yeah, Graham Mertz stinks. He stinks. He he is the ultimate cautionary tale when it comes to you want to watch the stars, watch the stars. That's fine. They're fun. But like he is the the cautionary tale of all cautionary tales because okay. he was ranked this five star guy and he is stinky. Are you sitting down for this? Because I am. I'm always sitting. Graham Mertz was the best quarterback in the stadium. Brandon Peters went three for seven for 12 yards, and Arthur Sikowski went eight for 27 and 55 yards. So here's the thing, John. I was told Brandon Peters was really good. 
that's just I'm merely repeating what I had been told uh, roughly two years ago. Was it? Yeah. Boy. So. Yeah, never, never a good situation. Um, to round it out, speaking of uh, Brandon Peters, his former team, Michigan went into Lincoln, Nebraska, coming out victorious, 32 to 29. It was a great game, and just great like game. Nebraska, Nebraska did hard against Michigan State. They did it again against Michigan, and it can't be a surprise when it's a Scott Frost team. It's what they do. It, it's it must be absolutely infuriating. Like I, I, I would hate Scott Frost with my entire heart if I was a Nebraska fan. Like if for everything he gave you as a player, I would, I would hate him equally as much in the in the opposite way uh, as a coach. This team is not bad. They are not a bad team. It is a, I, I would argue, a very talented team, a very talented team. They are one of the most poorly coached football teams period that I've ever watched they every time there's a critical moment they make the wrong decision Adrian Martinez letting the ball get stripped uh, on that first down run with like four minutes left is inexcusable this guy's not a true freshman this guy is a third year starter they had a horrible pass interference down on the goal line right before right at the very end of the game that set Michigan up for that easy field goal like they had them on the ropes. I, I, when I was watching this game, I didn't think for a second that like, oh, one of these teams is a top 10 team and the other is this bottom feeder. They were they were peers. They were equals in this game. And, yeah, you know, credit to Michigan. They didn't blink when the, the big plays needed to be made and when the you know they played relatively clean football. Nebraska just they have shot themselves in the foot the neck and the face all, all year. Like they, they, they took the, the sawed off shotgun and have just turned it around and let the, let the chopper sing because it is shocking what they do to themselves on a weekly basis. Because, because realistically, like, and I'm not no troll. No, I'm not, you know, they, they should have absolutely beaten Michigan state. They should have absolutely won this game against Michigan. And then they should have absolutely beat Oklahoma. We should be sitting here talking about at worst a what's their other loss? I, I'm trying to even remember. Was it Ohio state? Illinois. Oh, Jesus Christ. They absolutely. So uh, this is what I'm saying. We could just as easily be talking about a, a, a seven and O oh, or six and O oh, no seven and O oh, cause they played week zero mm-hmm. seven and O oh, Nebraska team. And, and, and Scott Frost would be the savior. And it's not like they're they're going up against like superiorly talented teams. They're just shooting themselves uh, every single week. To me, that's that's not a problem with recruiting. He's doing a great job recruiting. He's doing a horrible job coaching because well-coached players don't make these mistakes. It's it's alarming, but it's also not my problem. So I will laugh nope. and enjoy it from afar. Um Man, I will say this. Michigan and Michigan State looking fairly evenly matched. I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. Austin, are you uh, – go ahead. No, I, I'll wait till we talk about their next game. Okay. Upcoming national games. Uh, let's play that uh, contender or pretender game. Oklahoma State right. undefeated, undefeated heads to Texas. Oklahoma State contender or pretender. It's Oklahoma State. I feel like we talked about this. We did. It's pretender. It's pretender. Okay. I don't even care if they win this game. 
They're not even the second. They're not. They're the second best team that wears the color orange in their own conference. That's what else? What else? Next, please. They'll be fighting for that right. Uh, to exactly. Be um, okay. Kentucky, number 11, Kentucky, at mm. number one, Georgia. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't expect Kentucky to win this game. But if Kentucky were to not get destroyed, how would you feel about I, I'm impressed. I'm already impressed. I mean, I mean, it, it, Kentucky deserves a little bit more credit than I think they get on a national scale. I agree. Like they, they are consistently now for the last several years in games, winning games against big, uh, you know, really top quality SEC opponents. I mean, they beat LSU this week, uh, kind of handily. Uh, I, I think they are just. Mark Stoops has done a wonderful job of coaching them. Uh, I, I'm kind of surprised nobody's come calling for him yet, yeah. to be honest with you. I, I think they, he gets underappreciated as a head coach. Um, and, man, are Penn State fans wishing they still had Will Levis back there. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, That's a great call. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call them uh, contender, but I would say that they deserve – they deserve shine. It's it's They're, a good program they have down there. Kentucky's staring nine and three right in the in the eyes, and I think that's incredible. Much like Michigan State is feeling right now, for different reasons, it's incredible. But yeah, I, I mean, but hey, at the same time, we're we're writing this off as a loss for Kentucky. You got to play the game. So no. Um, okay, here's one. UCF travels to Cincinnati. Is Cincinnati a contender or a pretender? If we're approaching this as contender for a playoff spot, yes. Cincinnati is 100% a contender, in my opinion. So, and then you have to ask yourself the question, do you really feel that confident about the good teams that Cincinnati couldn't compete with them? Uh, no, I, I, I think the, again, I, I would only put the only teams that Cincinnati would like really, I don't know that they're hanging in there with are the super duper talented. Um, again, kind of like your, your Bama's, your Georgia's, your Ohio States, those type of teams. I think anybody under that tier, which again, if we're talking about the third and fourth playoff spot is a yep. lot of teams. Yeah. I don't see any reason why they're not right in that conversation, man. They've done nothing to prove that they shouldn't. Be. uh now i will say if they go and play bama they're going to get beat by a thousand points but or georgia in my opinion but you know i kind of hope that they as long as it's not at michigan state's expense which is an insane sentence to say uh i hope they get a realistic shot and again this is one of those where it's like if they, if they don't get in now exactly. uh, when it's never happening well and this is why it's big everybody is take it from a larger viewpoint if cincinnati were to make the playoff this year that changes college football as we know it period mm -hmm. that's never happened and and then it kind of changes the complexion of expansion or not expansion like this cincinnati's mm -hmm. hopes and dreams you could argue will change the trajectory of college football i'm serious yeah, i i don't think it's really that hyperbolic to to say like it's a it really does. It brings up so many different conversations. And honestly, it gets them. I think Cincinnati becomes a um, 
I think Cincinnati becomes a program that any of these conferences that are expanding mm-hmm. are chasing after. And Luke Fickle, I, Luke Fickle either realizes, holy shit, I have a great program. Why would I ever leave? Or he becomes the single hottest name on the coaching free agency. Right. That's market. right. Yeah, we'll see how Cincinnati does in the Big 12 once they get there. But they're after a great start. And keep an eye on down the season. They'll host uh, undefeated SMU. Um, which will be a de facto uh, playoff chance for a playoff game. And then one final game I want you to keep an eye on. Uh, San Diego State, number 24th, heads to San Jose State. Normally not a game that you'd think about considering, but I want you to know one thing. San Diego State is undefeated. They are coached by a man named Brady Hoke. <laughs> and That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I just want to throw out a scenario into the universe that if San Diego State were to win out, 538.com has a 9% chance that they'd go to the playoff if they were to go undefeated. If they, if San Diego State and, and Brady Hoke went to the playoff before Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, oh. I might lose, lose my mind laughing. I would never be the same. <laughs> I would simply, I would simply never be the same. I would laugh. Yeah. I may never stop laughing. We are on officially on Aztec launch. Uh, yeah. I'm the only podcast. We are all Aztecs. Okay, let's let's take a quick run around the uh, Big Ten here. Um, this Saturday, Nebraska heads to Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota just lost Trey Potts, their second running back, uh, behind Mohamed Ibrahim. And it's really tough. Nebraska, like we said, bad team, but they're good enough to, that they should beat bad teams. And I don't know what Minnesota yeah. is because they certainly aren't, can't turn to Tanner Morgan. So no, this looks like a really, really perfect 11 a.m. ESPN2 game, to be honest. No one should have to watch this. I agree. I would ex- I'm going to go ahead and give uh, – um, much of a call. Uh, Nebraska more credit than they deserve. They, I would fully expect them to win this game. For sure. Um, speaking of games, no one should have to watch. Rutgers plays at Northwestern, which is a pick on Big Ten Network. And tell you what, I'll just let you guys know what happened next week. Yeah, I don't think this should be a pick either. I think Rutgers is, cl- again, after having watched both of these games being played, I think Rutgers is a, probably a significantly better team than Northwestern. They're certainly more talented. I'd agree. I'd agree. That's why I went and hammered Rutgers. Um, who knows what, what Vegas is seeing. Purdue travels to Iowa. I don't know if I'm going to throw this as an OP game because I don't necessarily respect Purdue, but they do put up a lot of passing yards. This will be the best passing attack that um, Iowa will have seen. I think they're ready for it. But if David Bell plays, which I expect him to, this has some emotional letdown opportunity for Iowa. They're lucky oh, that yeah. it's an afternoon game, though, not an 11 a.m. kick. Then I would have had officially put them on OPE alert. Yeah, I don't – man, uh, every game for me with Iowa, I could see anything happening. Like, in all likelihood, they're probably going to cause turnovers and, and, and do what they've done all season and beat a team they should beat right. in Purdue. But they're also now, like – Every time they play one of these teams, like all the teams in their division are so bad 
that they're look they're all looking at this like okay we've got we've got a chance chance to take down the number two team in the country like all of a sudden that bullseye on your back is really really big and you've got a lot of people that are a lot of teams coaches that might be coaching for their jobs teams that are extra motivated to say uh-huh. all right we're gonna go in and play like the yeah. moral of the story is bullseye is real big and we saw that you know there are there are areas where this team is simply not your typical number two uh, team in the country. So it's going to be very, every game is going to be a half hope for me with Iowa from here on out. You're right. That's an interesting point though. You make for Purdue. It's a season saver. For exactly. The, Iowa's next game after that is going to be after an idle week is at Wisconsin. It's a season saver for Wisconsin. It's a season saver yep. for Western season saver for Minnesota. Everyone, everyone include and then you get to nebraska at the end of the year at nebraska do you feel great about that i mean not at all everyone is on season saver alert and i was probably the better team because the big 10 west is so mid but mm-hmm. to your point this is it like you look at the everyone's remaining schedule and that's the game because they a lot of them aren't going to be bowling so yeah can you handle it exactly final game army uh heads to have to uh excuse me Madison to take on Wisconsin mm. in the night game. The troops and the Badgers over under a set at 40 and a half, Austin. Yikes. How do you feel about that? I think it'd be very disrespectful of, of Wisconsin to win this game. 40 and a half. Is 40 and a half feels like I might actually take the under. Uh, 26 to 15 it, final is what. This is going to be a hard game to watch. I'll be honest with you. Like these are these are these are some offenses that if you loved football in 1964, buddy, <laughs> I have a tremendous game for you to watch. Dude, it's going to be bad. Um, maybe so bad that you should watch. That's all I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of teams are idle this week: Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Maryland, and Illinois. So there's uh, really no Big Ten game of the week. Um, but. We do have Michigan State at Indiana, which at the beginning of the year felt a lot shakier than maybe it does now. And I want to shout out to Zanjo, a.k.a. at GoMSUButtBoy69, who preemptively sent me a DM about why Indiana stinks. And I really appreciate that because we didn't even get to put the call out. and He was all over it. He said preemptive why your team sucks for indiana an assortment of people to be associated with their school dan dakich bobby knight jared fogel the dude's brother from last chance you who murdered someone oh my god (laughs) didn't know that also their coach got beat by ohio state last year threw a temper tantrum when ohio state went to indianapolis over them and took their big 10 logo off their jerseys only to turn around and get hammered by a sub 500 team in their bowl game also, Mel Tucker has more wins over ranked teams at MSU last year than this coach did in his entire career at Indiana. Pretty damning stuff. All just facts, by the way. None of these things are not opinion. Um, not opinion, not nope. opinion at all. Nope. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, well, I think one important thing to note is that in all likelihood, Michael Penix will not be playing in this right. game. Yep. And I think because he injured his shoulder um, and it was out indefinitely, he's only missed one game. Typically indefinitely means a lot more than that. So I'm uh, harboring a, a guess here that in fact, he, he will not be playing and that's couldn't be a bigger deal. 
Uh, I know he didn't exactly come out and light the world on fire early on in this this season, but we did see that the 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 years the two years previous to this one were what I said about Indiana was that this is a guy, this is a talent, this is a dynamic type of player that they do not typically have. Right. Michael Penix was an X factor. And when a program like Indiana or really any program gets an X factor like that, it, it can take you to places you've never been. And I think that's basically what Michael Penix was more or less able to do for, for Indiana. Now, not having him or having him be not good, which is what it was early on in this season um, it totally changes the tenor of who you are as a team. It changes the way you can approach every single game. It changes your entire offensive game plan. Um, it changes the way that teams prepare for you. Uh, and now you can't make up for some of those systemic or um, talent-based warts that you have on your roster. Again, when you're at a program, program that's at where Indiana's at, that's going to exist. It exists in Michigan State. It exists in a lot of almost every program. But the, the point is, you came into this year thinking, oh, man, this is this big, awesome team. They're going to have a chance to play how good is Iowa. They played them at the beginning of the year. And, you know, Penix is going to be able to set them apart and all this stuff. And now here we sit with them sitting at two and three. The three good teams, well, good relative term, the three ranked teams they've played have uh, beaten them by quite a bit. They almost lost to Western Kentucky. Um, and they've just looked kind of like the the, the Indiana of old. Mm-hmm. Um and as we go into this week, that that changes the tenor of how I think Michigan State will approach this game. And I think the way that I think of last year, or that the, you know, I think everybody had a little too much dip on the chip with mm-hmm. uh, with Indiana. So mm-hmm. uh, again, coming into this year, I was I, I know I was very nervous about this game, but um, without Michael Penix, uh, it's it's just a kind of a kind of a different different tone. So. The great news for Michigan State is that you are unable to look past this game Correct. simply because you lost 24 to nothing last year. Zero mm-hmm. points, shut out, physically dominated by Indiana. We watched Indiana pass Michigan State on the Big Ten tier list when this game happened. And Michigan State ran for 60 total yards on 24 attempts. They threw three picks. It was a disaster. And, like, you, you just aren't allowed to take anything for granted, regardless of how Indiana's roster looks this year, because of what they did to you last year. So, much like the Rutgers game, where they had seven turnovers and lost that game. Right. You, you don't get to look past them. You're not, you're not good enough. You haven't, they have a winning streak on you. You know, and until yeah. further notice, you, you <laughs> need your full attention. And... You know, they do have uh, two stud receivers. Peyton Hendershot and Ty Freifogel are very nice wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem for them is I don't know if Jack Tuttle, he's never had a meaningful snap that I'm aware of. And he's, uh, you know, a career backup to to Michael Penix. And it is limited game time. Uh, he played a little bit when Penix was hurt. I'm sorry, last year. I, I misspoke when Penix did get hurt at the end of last year. And by the way, I believe Michael Penix has been played four years and has the previous three seasons, he has career, or excuse me, his season ended with an injury. This could be the fourth. Yeah. Oh. Not but great. I just feel terrible for for him, but you like to think he's going to have drinks and uh, food and a job paid for just because of what he did to Penn State. So 
Yeah, yeah. I would I would hope so. Certainly a job at a car dealership, if not. That's right. He's good. He's good. But yeah, I think I think the good news is, you know, you got to feel okay about the Achilles heel. Like, you know, we still don't know a lot about this. Pat, we keep saying as the passing defense really as bad as it is. You know, they give up a lot of yards. Well, Jack Tuttle doesn't really have. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be asking a lot of him to win this game because I don't see. All of a sudden, Indiana's 100, you know, 100 in the nation in rushing offense. All of a sudden, figuring it out against Michigan State's rush defense, yeah. which is 35th in the country. So, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, this this one to me, if I'm if I'm looking for take, well, first first of all, just just to put a, a very blanket statement, Michigan State should win this game. End of story. It doesn't matter what's going on the road. You are a better. You are officially a, the better team in this game. They're without your starting their starting quarterback, like you said. Um, you should win this game. You should win this game. You should go into a bye week before you play Michigan. And that that's that's what should happen. Now, obviously, we know things things can go haywire. Things can happen. So you don't want to take that for granted. But when I'm looking at what I want to see MSU do in this game, it's first of all, not only just simply win the game. It's to just play smarter than they played a week ago. Um the the numbers are going to cause you to go back and look at that game, kind of like we were talking about, and think, holy smokes, one of five teams to ever have the 300-yard passer, you know, 200-yard rusher and 200-yard receiver all in the same same game. Like, that's insane. Yeah. And it's amazing. But you only gave up 13 points. But, again, just kind of made some boneheaded plays. Uh, and against maybe, you know, better teams. I don't know that Indiana is 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 necessarily the better team. That's going to cost you, if you, especially if now you're in this conversation of, hey, the playoff is actually a conversation we are a part of. You're not going to get there making some of the, the, the missteps that you made um, last week. So I would like to see a little bit better coaching in critical situations, uh, especially with clock management. Um, that to me was, was not great. And I think we've seen a couple examples of that, to be honest with you this year where we've, we've justifiably all kind of scratched our heads, but uh, I'd like to see that. I would like to see the defense to your point is the point you were probably about to make, but like Jack Tuttle is not, is not Michael Penix. He's not going to light the world on fire. Um, I want to see this passing defense like come to play. I, I want to see a shutdown performance more or less. I want to see the, them, them play the way that that defensive front has played offensively. I want them to keep doing what they're doing. Um, there's no reason why MSU shouldn't be able to go out and exert their will uh, in this game. So we talked about Iowa has a bunch of season you know, changers for the teams they're playing against. That, that game is a, is a season saver. This mm-hmm. would be that for Indiana right now. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so they're serial on this because, I mean, realistically, they, see, they have Ohio State after us. You, you know, you got to say to yourself, let's, you know, it's a home game. Can we pull something silly out, right? Like, are we really that much worse outside of the quarterback position? I don't know the answer to that because they're looking at our defense right now statistically, and they're saying there was ever a time to to ease in a new quarterback. This is it. Yeah, right? true. And so, you know, Tuttle, you know, his his only game where he was asked to do much of anything was at Wisconsin, a win where he went 13 to 22 and two touchdowns against a a an away game at Wisconsin and then um, had a kind of a mid game against on uh, the bowl game against Miss Ole Miss uh, 26 of 45, zero touchdowns and a pick. They are going to need him to win the game. And 
I think, you know, this is for me, you can just, we can wipe away the narrative of, is this defense good? Is it not good? You know, is it, are the stats lying? Good being a relative term, but you know, is, are they really as bad as the stats say? If Indiana, who right now is 99th in scoring offense, 107th in total offense, 100th in rushing offense and 79th in passing offense, if they put up the same type of numbers or near that you've seen from other teams, you have a very big problem on your hands as a Michigan State team and fan. Now, because this is the warts game. Are you good Mm -hmm. or are you not? And it's going to become crystal clear against a team like Indiana. And for what it's worth, Indiana's defense is not awful. They are above average. Above average passing defense, above average rushing defense, above average total defense. The problem is is they're giving up 28.2 points a game. That's 89th in the nation. It's because they've given up so many pick sixes. That's a big part of it. So that's a little misleading on the scoring defense. I just, they're a better defense, uh, better than average defense. Are they as good as Nebraska's? I don't know that answer. Probably not. But I mean, you got to show up on offense too. And as I said, we'll we'll learn everything you need to learn about this Michigan State's defense in this game. Because if it goes south, man, I don't know. Yeah, then you then you get some real worries. Um, I, I will say one thing I'm looking for too is a good second half performance. Uh, Third quarter. The, yeah, it's been it's been the the, the soft spot. I mean, MSU has come out guns and blazing. It seems like just about every week, early on, big plays, flea flickers, all that stuff, which once again we saw work brilliantly this week. Um, and it just, you, you know you're going to have to hang in there and play a complete game against these really good teams. Uh, it, it's not going to work kind of to your same point uh, when you get into the games against the Michigans, against the Penn States, against uh, the Ohio States. If you want any chance of winning those games against objectively some pretty darn, darn talented. And, and, and again, we throw the term good around uh, relatively, but like not bad teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to, you're going to have to play a full game. And I don't think we've necessarily seen that in four quarters for MSU just yet. So that is something I personally will will be really hoping to see this, this week. Absolutely. They're probably going to script Tuttle's first drive as I would, and just see where they're, where they net out. And um, to your point, it's got to be that the halftime adjustments, like Rutgers went scoreless in the second half. We have to remember that. But I think yeah. you're, you're, it's you're, offensively is really what yeah, I'm talking right. about. It's, yeah. it's not it's not defensively. Defensively, I think they actually get better as the game goes on. Yep. But uh, because they win those battles in the front. But um, offensively, they've just had some really long extended cold streaks. And I'd like to see that, that change. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as we mentioned, uh, MSU three and a half point favorite opened. It's up to about four and a half points. And um you know, that's pretty tight. I just want to throw on one thing before we wrap up. I've needed about three games to, to get data enough to make these um, projections, Austin, but I have one for you. Uh, All right. I want to go on record. Uh, MSU versus Nebraska, the projection was 24.1 to 23.2. The final was 23 to 20. Against Rutgers, the projection was 30.4 to 22.5. MSU won 31 to 13. 
Couldn't do Western Kentucky because we didn't have enough data. Western Kentucky had only played two games against FBS teams. So this week, we have MSU 33.1, Indiana 15.9. I feel okay about the cover. I do. And I rarely, rarely am the optimist around here. But I, I do feel like I need to go <laughs> record with the method. I think this is, the Kirby method is well thought out. I don't know what factors into it, but I like it. <laughs> and uh yeah I, I i like your optimism i'm pretty sure that's what i'm gonna what i'm gonna put in this weekend i i, I just again to, to to put kind of final thoughts to it msu's a better team in this game i know that's what i've been saying this whole time but like they, they should win this game if, if this this would qualify as a a really bad loss in my opinion if they were to if they were to lose and quite honestly i'd I don't mind them scuffling a little bit. Like, you know, they're going to have a bye week to work on stuff uh, ahead of Michigan. So I I think, honestly, I don't want a flawless performance uh, because you want to be able to ride these guys for two weeks ahead of ahead of Michigan uh, and and really be ready for what should be. I don't know. I mean, for all Miami's flaws, they are still really talented team. There's a really poorly coached team. Um, with Michigan, you're going to get a similar amount of sheer talent and a much better coached product. So I don't, they don't want to get caught looking ahead. I actually think that the bye week is, could not be better time for those reasons, but, um, yeah, they should, they should win this game and they should go to seven and zero, which is an absolutely insane thing to say, but just because expectations change, just because maybe you, you're not going to be, you know expectations are a little bit different, certainly than they were at the beginning of the year. It doesn't mean you can't still uh, enjoy this, this ride because it's, we don't get, it's been a while since we've had something like this. So it's, it's don't, don't, uh, don't lose the forest for the trees. That's right. You expect a similar type of game as the Rutgers game is what I'll yeah. point out. They're a similar type of talent at this point. So enjoy it. I mean, enjoy these parts Enjoy the parts, the fact that you're bowl eligible. I, you know, I, here's the last thing I'll leave you with. MSU Twitter melting down when they were down seven to nothing at Rutgers. <laughs> I'm melting down. Absolute fire storm. And the team won 31 to 13. Everyone yeah. breathe. You got to breathe. Everybody a breathe. We're going to be okay. Uh, and 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 remind me of that when I'm losing my mind when MSU is down three to nothing at the start of the second quarter. That's all I ask yep. is you, you remind me. You have that promise from me. I will remind you. <laughs> all right. All right, everybody. As always, thanks for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin, and we'll catch you next week. See you.